A reading from the Gospel according to John. <clears throat> so he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The word of the God of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning to you. I want to add my welcome to Janice from the beginning of the service and thank you for being here this morning on this dark, wintry morning that uh, arrived an hour earlier than many of us would have liked it. Parents will tell you that the worst part about daylight savings time is tonight. I can assure you that preachers believe it is this morning. And so I thank you for being here with uh, smiles on your faces as we encourage one another in faith this day. Let's go to God's word in prayer. Startle us, O oh God, with your truth, your love, your grace, and your hope, and the depth of them all. Enliven us with your Holy Spirit and help us to find something of our own story as we look to yours. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O oh Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The story we are looking at this morning is considered by many preachers to be one of the best stories in the Bible. Anna Carter Florence is an amazing preacher. She teaches at Columbia Theological Seminary. She writes of John chapter 4, if I were to choose one story that shows us the most about who Jesus is, it would be this one. The story is 37 verses long in total, characteristic of John who writes longer stories, and this is longer than most of his. Anna Carter Florence says that it's a story for thirsty preachers, and by that I think she means thirsty people, people who have some thirst, some yearning, some desire that, mean, that needs to be met by faith. And they are willing to do the work of letting the bucket down into the well over and over again and drawing it up in the hope that its coolness will wash over their parched lives and leave them thirsty no more. The story itself is better than much of anything that I can do with it as a preacher. So this morning, I'm going to share the story itself with you in the course of this sermon. You heard uh, just an excerpt from it during the first reading of the lesson. 
I want to invite you, if you would like to do so, to reach out and grab that pew Bible that is in the pew in front of you and open to John chapter 4. The page reference is in your bulletin if that's helpful to you. I will be preaching through most of the length of this story this morning and just pausing along the way to make some observations. Observations that don't resolve the story or tell you anything about it or everything about it, but that I hope will draw you deeper into it. So beginning uh, here around verse 5, the story begins this way. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard Jesus is making and baptizing more disciples than John, although it was not Jesus himself but his disciples who baptized, he did this. He left Judea and started back to Galilee, but he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city named Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. So the story begins here by telling us where Jesus is and what's going on. It gives us some context. And from what we know of the history of this region and its peoples, we know from this introduction that Jesus is in unfamiliar territory. The text says that Jesus left Judea for Galilee and had to go through Samaria. Samaria was not home for Jesus and his people. It's not that it was a hostile place. The text just says they didn't share things in common. It was not a place where Jesus felt right at home. You might imagine that it says Jesus left Hyde Park and was headed for Indiana and he had to go through the west side of town. Right away, the idea that Jesus is in Samaritan country tells us that he's out of his usual element. And from that, we should be reminded that we live in a world that is divided in many ways that God did not intend for us. We're divided into places where we go and we sometimes do not feel comfortable or at home. There's a signal right at the start of this lengthy Bible story that we are starting in a place where things are not as they should be, a place of brokenness, a place of thirst for the way things should be. And so it is not surprising that Jesus arrives at the beginning of this story at a well. And so the story continues. A Samaritan woman came there to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone to the city to buy food. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. This part is really interesting to me. For right away we find out in this story about thirst that Jesus is thirsty. Jesus is thirsty. In the Gospel of John, pretty much everything is a metaphor. So we know right away that Jesus does not just need a drink of water. Jesus apparently has thirst in his own life, thirst that goes beyond the long walk he has just had from Judea. 
Jesus has yearning in his life. Thirst, yearning, desire, a lack of wholeness, this feeling of not being quite whole, not quite at home. We sometimes think of that incompleteness as a bad thing, as something that is incorrect and needs to be resolved. This story suggests maybe that is not so for Jesus himself is thirsty. Perhaps out of your comfort zone on the west side of town, you could actually learn something, discover something that you did not know before. The Son of God and Savior of the world is thirsty too, so maybe thirst is recommended for all of us. But the Samaritan woman, like many people Jesus meets in the Gospels, she does not understand that Jesus is speaking in metaphor. So the story has to unfold a little bit more before she discovers what he's saying about thirst. The Samaritan woman said, it continues, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. More about the brokenness of this context. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that was saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Living water. Now that sounds immediately to you and to me like a metaphor, but the woman at the well still is not tracking with Jesus just yet. You see, in her time, the expression living water was simply flowing water. It wasn't necessarily a spiritual matter, but in a world where water was precious, it was a reference to a stream or a river, someplace good for drinking and not just a pond. So, still not sure what Jesus is getting at, the woman continues to ask questions. Continuing in the reading, the woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Here you see again these two people from two different walks of life, and she's comparing the dividedness between them. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, referencing the well. But those who drink of the water that I give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. Now it begins to click into place for her. Jesus is offering something much better, much greater than plain old water. And now she is intrigued. The woman says to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. The woman acknowledges that she is thirsty in ways that don't just have to do with water. Next, we will hear why the woman is thirsty. Jesus says to her, go call your husband and come back. 
And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. Now here, folks, it deserves to be said that having a husband is not necessarily the best way to achieve wholeness in life. The Spanish mystic Teresa of Avila, for one, chose the monastic life as a favorable alternative to marriage, and spiritually speaking, it worked out well for her. And so in this story, what we want to pay attention to is not just her absence of a husband, but the exaggerated way that this account is told. Five, maybe six husbands. This is supposed to tell us something. This person is either searching hard for love and connection and not finding it, or is caught in some kind of deep economic vulnerability that causes her to keep looking to men who might save her from it, or something else in any event, it is obviously not a healthy situation. Certainly we are being told a metaphor here for this person's brokenness. That she is thirsting for something in life. Now remembering that the Gospel of John is a story that is full of one metaphor after another. And that these metaphors are supposed to speak to us as well. You might ask yourself at this point... What is my brokenness? What is my thirst? What is the thing in my own life that is not living water? What is the well I keep coming to that leaves me still thirsty? People try to quench their thirst in all kinds of ways. What do you keep drinking over only to be left thirsty again? Perhaps a few obvious things come quickly to mind. Alcohol and drugs, retail therapy, wealth, unhealthy relationships, bigger house, better salary, better seats at the game, children who are more well-behaved. All of these things are not living water. They all, when we get a little piece of them, a little taste of them, only leave us wanting a little bit more. Perhaps you sit there in your seat and wonder if there's really so much brokenness in a comfortable community like Knox Presbyterian Church. As I was preparing for this sermon, I had a, a copy of our Lenten series of small group book studies sitting on my desk. I happened to glance at it at this point in the writing. Listen to some of the titles of our Lenten small groups. Some of these were the work of our pastors. Several of them are the work of all of you who have stepped up to lead. Our Lenten studies are these. The Gifts of Imperfection, Lent of Liberation, Being Mortal, Breathing Underwater, Do I Stay Christian, Walking to the Cross, 
Friends, I stumbled upon this list accidentally in the midst of studying this sermon text. For goodness sake, could you imagine a list of titles more uniformly focused on the reality of brokenness and yearning in our lives? Brokenness is not just some abstract thing out there in the media. It is not just statistics about depression and anxiety, addiction and lowered life expectancy due to suicide. Thirst is not just someone else. This is us, folks. We are the woman at the well. What will Jesus tell us about our thirst? Now here in the next part of this story, I will admit the text goes down what appears to be a bit of a wormhole, and it's hard to follow in the literal translation from the Greek that you have there in your Bibles. So I'm going to read to you from, for a moment from another translation. It's called The Message. Go with me down this wormhole for a moment. Oh, so you're a prophet, said the woman. Well, tell me this. Our ancestors worshipped God at this mountain, but you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place for worship, right? Believe me, said Jesus, the time is coming when you Samaritans will worship God neither here at this mountain nor there in Jerusalem. You worship in the dark, we Jews worship in the clear light of day. God's way of salvation is made available through the Jews. But the time is coming. It has, in fact, come. When what you're called will not matter, and where you go to worship will not matter. It is who you are, Jesus says to this woman, and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people God is looking for, those who are simply and honestly themselves before God in worship. God is sheer being itself, spirit. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. The woman, still not yet convinced, says suspiciously, I don't know about that, but I do know that the Messiah is coming, and when he arrives, we'll get the whole story. Jesus replies to her, I am he. You don't have to wait any longer or look any further. Did you see what Jesus did there in the progress of that conversation? He took her question her wondering about this strange person from a community different than hers, this stranger in her midst with the many things that divide them. And she made, he, or he made the connection between the brokenness all around them in the culture and the brokenness in this woman's very own life. 
He made the connection between the broad cultural epidemics in our own lives, in our own time. Loneliness, anxiety, addiction. All of these waters that leave us coming back to the well thirsty again and again and again. And Jesus connects them in this account to this woman's very own life and our very own lives and our need for a Savior. What does Jesus tell us about our thirst? He acknowledges that we are all thirsty. And being thirsty and even broken does not disqualify us from being loved. The story then says that the disciples came back and they were shocked. They couldn't believe that he was talking with this kind of a woman. It says no one said what they were all thinking, but their faces showed it. So the disciples are suspicious, but as for the woman, the text continues that she left her water jar and went back to the city And she said to all the people she saw, Come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. She's wondering, he cannot be the Messiah, can he? Now this, this uh, exchange is followed by another lengthy dis- exchange between Jesus and his disciples. He's talked with the woman about her thirst, and now he's going to talk with the disciples about food. And we will find that as much as Jesus tries to lead them down the road to understanding that he's talking about hunger, deep spiritual hunger, and the way to get it filled... All the disciples want to talk about is where they're going to get some dinner. In a way, no more than the Samaritan woman initially, the disciples do not get it. But meanwhile, as for the woman, she went and told others what she had experienced, and it says that they listened. Many Samaritans from that city believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I had ever done. And you can kind of hear for yourself the phrase that trails off at the end of that, phrase, uh, that passage in the Scripture. He told me everything I have ever done, and He loved me still. He told me everything that I had ever done, and he loved me still. And it is when the Samaritans, the strangers of Jesus in this community he is passing through, when they heard that, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed for two more days, and many more believed because of this word. The story concludes in this way, coming back around to the Samaritans, the strangers, the broader context of the broken culture in which we began. These are the people who see this foreigner passing through their community, 
And they find that he has this unexpected message of love and acceptance, a message of hope, a message that we are not really as disconnected as we thought we might have been. It is a message that begins with this act as simple as a request for a drink of water. And it ends up being a conversation about real and important things, thirst, the deepest yearnings in all of our lives. The woman told her friends, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did and loved me still. Are we not people who have brokenness in our own lives and are just hoping that someone who knows all of it would still love us anyway? Jesus says, I am the one, the one who is speaking to you. Being thirsty and broken does not make us unworthy of love. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen.